Gerhardt's back. The more things change, the more they stay the same. From NJ1015.com, this is the new Jim Gerhardt Podcast. I'm Bob Williams, and welcome to the Jim Gerhardt Podcast, the first for the new year of 2021. Jim, good morning, and boy, have things changed since we last met last week, last year. Yeah, what's, what's good about it? I don't know. As, uh, as uh, Oliver Hardy used to say to Stanley Laurel, what a fine mess we've gotten into here. <laughs> or, or there was an old uh, radio show, I think it maybe have gone into television, you might remember, called The Life of Riley. And uh, the main character, Chester A. Riley, his sort of catch line was, what a revolting development this is. Well, and uh, we have, so, I, I think since there's so much up in the air here, sort of juggling daggers, you know, in our minds. Because so much is unknown about just what went on, who did it, and all kind of naturally all the theories out there. Uh, but until the dust settles, you know, there's so much we don't know. So we would like to get your take yes. to people who are seeing this or listening to this. Your your response to this. I'd be very happy to unburden myself of my response, yes. but we'd like to hear your response. And, spe- uh, and specifically, we don't want to say, oh, you know. Yeah, I, I, this is great. This is wrong. Please articulate and yeah. write out your thoughtful, uh, objective response so that we can share that with the audience and, and discuss it amongst ourselves. Yeah, see, we're, I think playing into this to some extent is the fact of the year we had. This was some kind of a year. We had the pandemic. I mean, people are very frustrated. People are upset. Uh, we had the restrictions, uh, measures that were debatable going on all year. Uh, political polarization. We had this endless Russian conspiracy nonsense that went on. Unemployment, uncertainty. You had all the violence in the cities. Uh, bitter election campaign. No certainty about the future. And so the, the people are edgy. And I think that played into this somewhat. But one thing that, that I noticed when the uh, president-elect Biden made his speech, jumped in yesterday, he said, among other things, this is not who we are. Say what? This is exactly who we are. And to a large extent, we are who we are because you made us this way. We've had six months of people, radicals, thugs, burning down cities, looting, doing far worse than was done at the Capitol. The reason this stands out, of course, it was the Capitol which is kind of like storming the Vatican or something. It's whole, politically holy grounds. But the Democratic left certainly laid down the template for what you do in this country to advance your agenda. You do this. You, you commit vi- acts of violence to make your point. So this was the lesson that apparently these people yesterday had learned. This is how you do it. So don't tell me we are not like this. We are like this. And we have been like this. And you and your cohorts, pretty much not you personally, but the far left has made it like this with their behavior. Now, at some point, it's going to be sorted out just who was in the mob. Uh, so far as you could tell, there were a lot of people. Some claims are hundreds of thousands. I have no idea because I never saw a clear shot of the people in the mall. This was supposed to be a legitimate protest. Even the uh, mayor or the police chief in D.C., when he came out, he said that it was very peaceful. These people are very peaceful until suddenly, almost on cue, a group had detached themselves 
and started attacking toward the Capitol, and then others followed in. Now, I was told that this had been planned and organized online for weeks. Don't know. All this will come out at some point. It will no doubt come out. But the result of it is, I think that the, uh, at least what we can see now, I, I question some of the legitimacy of who these people were. One uh, television news person, a lady who had said that, who had covered the riots on the West Coast in uh, uh, Portland and in Seattle, said she recognized some of the faces because there were such clear shots of this whole event. You can see dozens and dozens of clearly distinct faces for identifying people. Uh, she said that she saw some of the same faces on the other side rioting in Seattle and Portland. I don't know if that's true or not. But who was behind it? I, I, I wouldn't put it past the left to do this because these groups that we are told supported by George Soros, whose aim is to destabilize the government, that uh, this is what these groups will do and they could attach yourself to this movement and uh, you know continue your act under their mantle rather than, than your own. These are things that we don't know though. But uh, I, uh, there was a piece, uh, oh gosh, there, there's so much to talk about here and trying to put it into some kind of order, it's, it's very, very difficult. Um, there was talk, Bob, about invoking the 25th Amendment, which would be to remove the president for office. Right. That, I, I think, is unlikely because it's only a couple of more weeks. It's hardly worth the effort. But that is done when members of the cabinet and other people who are in that close association, how it works, at least as far as I understand it, they don't remove the president from office. They remove him from the offices and, and, and take him, put him aside somewhere uh, for the time being. Now, under those circumstances, the president can come back. Dan, is, is that pretty much the case? I bring in Dan Alexander here. I, I believe that's how it works. The 25th Amendment. That the president can be declared either non compos menace or sick, I think, which is how this was intended, or right. debilitated. And then they can, uh, they will remove him from the office, but not from the presidency. Right. At some point, there is a back door through which he can come back if he gets well. Right. And he can, he can. I don't think because of this, this particular president's debility. I don't think he would be any different if he came back. But look at the situation. Uh, a lot of his, uh, a lot of his enemies would like nothing more than to see the guy removed from office, even with days left in his term, just to completely embarrass the guy. Um, I, I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm beginning to feel it's necessary to, to do that. I mean, we, we were in a good point. Somehow, his his uh, narcissistic histrionic on steroids personality, I think it's blown. It's got out of hand. If you notice when he was out urging the people be, to go home, before that, he went into this, this fantasy that he had won by a landslide. Well, that is totally patently ridiculous. And yet he kept these people stirred up. There, were, there was an op-ed piece in the Star-Ledger this morning or on uh, their website and this was by, uh, I want you to listen to this now, because I think it's, it's, it's very eye-opening. Uh, written by John Farmer, who I think was a former attorney general in, in New Jersey. And he said, and I quote, a president, he's talking about Trump, a president whose pathological self-absorption 
has led him to live his life in a fantasy of his own creation and whose uncanny communication instincts have enabled him to persuade untold followers that the reality he describes somehow does exist somewhere. So in other words, according to Farmer, this is, this is a person whose magnetic personality, charisma, if you want, has led us into a fantasy. Yeah. Right. Uh, of his creation, and, and we, we have believed it. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, the bubble has burst, and we're beginning to see with his behavior here toward the end of the term that the it's it's very likely the emperor doesn't have clothes mm-hmm. here. And right. I think he's he's edging closer and closer, or moving closer and closer to an edge. And that's scary. That's pretty scary. Yeah. So we want in the last two weeks. To have a person who's showing tendencies like this uh, with enormous power, can he abuse the power? But my assumption is that even though he goes off the deep end, and I have no idea that he will, because he seems to be halfway off it anyway, and tries to do a last very dramatic act of, uh, say, aggression on a, on a country we don't like, or, you know, whatever it is, yeah. I, I think that that would probably not be carried out. If, if such a thing would happen, because I, I, I think the veil is off here. It's like the wizard. Somebody pulled the curtain back, and I'll give you a couple of things here, because uh, I, I got a stack of notes, and I seldom ever get around to them. Not in any coherent, but I always remember Marcus Aurelius, the uh, Roman emperor, who was known as the philosopher emperor, said, everything we hear is an opinion, not a fact. Yuval Harari, this brilliant young Israeli historian, has written that, pointed out that everything we believe is an illusion, right? often a delusion. Dan, Dan Alexander is smiling. I think you understand the, the, uh, the, the, the germ of truth in that. that, that because of so much unknown in this world, we, are, we only know about, uh, what, one half of a minuscule of one percent about what's really going on in the universe so how in the world can you be this cocksure definite about practically anything so the point is that anything we believe we have accepted we we have bought from somebody else or something else and so we are very susceptible to buying into an illusion somebody else's illusion that seems to mesh with our demands and our desires of the moment and so here these people come along through history who suddenly appear on the stage. And uh, Napoleon is a good example. And he, Napoleon gained the throne in France, not by any real military action, but by people who had listened to his PR people about how powerful he was and gave up before he even got into town. So uh, I, I guess the farmer piece to me is very revealing. Yeah. And here is a person, he says, in effect, was lived his life in a fantasy of his own creation, with himself at the center of it, of course. But here, here again, we run into every now and again in history, uncanny communication instincts. Boy, that brings up some big names in the past. Mm. None of it worked out very well. And he can persuade untold followers that the reality he describes exists somewhere. Right. Okay, so I, again, I, I, uh, I, I rest my case here. 
right. We have a couple uh, of comments here. It's, it's a possibility. We, we have been living in kind of a big fantasy here, and all of a sudden the bubble has suddenly burst, and we're like waking up the day after a hangover, right. or with a hangover a day after a binge. We have a couple of comments here. Yeah. Uh, points. Uh, Robin says, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter what party you support, but after yesterday's display, we should be ashamed of what happened as a whole. We need to come together as a nation right now. We are the laughing stock of the world, and until everyone works together, this will continue. We need to have both political parties and independents reach across the aisle, hands stretched, and get back to what the Constitution is based on. This is true. What she said, everything she says is true. Also, it'd be good if there was no world hunger or poverty and the oceans were clean and things like that. I don't think you're likely to see that, maybe to some extent. I would certainly hope so. But again, perhaps we are too far divided for everybody to suddenly blow. The referee blows a whistle and say, okay, everybody come out, shake hands and be right. friends. Right. Um, another uh, comment, um, Denise says, possible Antifa infiltration at the rally. And um, that's, that's a couple of other people are mentioning that as well. That that is that's one of the first things that pops into your mind because the choreography of this was exactly the same as that that they used, you know, like using barriers as weapons, pushing. It's exactly the same technique, and so that and we're used to seeing that. Now here here's going to be an interesting thing too. What is going to happen to the people who were the perpetrators here? Because we do know the ones with, uh, on the West Coast. The Antifa and the Black Lives Matter movement, which was very good in the beginning, but that was sort of hijacked by the Antifa people and uh, by violent people. But they were handled with kid gloves on the West Coast. They weren't prosecuted uh, and there was no opposition to it. So I don't know if the same thing is going to happen here. Now, you brought now we brought up uh, we're talking before the show. um, How do we explain or how do you justify suspicious packages being found at both political party headquarters, the RNC and the DNC yesterday. How how do we resolve that? Is it one side or another, or is there a, a common um, party that's really trying to just rile up both sides? There's no telling. You see, this is the problem. We're sitting here talking about this thing, speaking without knowledge about things without parallel. We don't know. Uh, we do know that <laughs> that living in a confused state without any certainties takes a great toll on, on the human mind and the psyche. So I think this is one thing we've got to watch for now and be aware of that. Uh, this is, this is, these are debilitating times. Uh, we're the, the old classic example of the rats in the maze when somebody moves the cheese and we, we don't know where to go anymore. There's no certainty, nothing you can depend on for certain. Uh, and so the, Politically, what they should have done, and I think a lot of moderate people, even conservatives, did try to do this, is to go ahead, accept the results of the election, move on, and in two years, lay your groundwork, and in two years, you have a chance to undo a new regime if you don't like it, because there will be congressional midterm elections, and you can toss them all out. Right now, what you've got here... Uh, going into this is the party that has won, the, the Democrats, uh, as expressed by some of their uh, people, especially this uh, what, or, uh, what, Ortega, who is uh, certainly 
apparently one of the ideological leaders of the Congress right now, that uh, we can do anything we want with this majority. We'll do anything we want. So we, we got two parties here entrenched on these sides of the battlefield. One says, we're in power. We can do anything that we want. The other side says, we was robbed. Yeah. And here we go. Four years. The past four years. Look at the toll that has taken. The alienation that it's caused. It, 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 the media has sunk into an absolute sewer right. over this partisanship that's, that's, that's gone on. Uh, where it goes from here, I don't know. Nobody knows, but just my, my only urging is try to keep your sanity. And remember, we didn't do this. <laughs> it, it was done to us. So, again, we'd like to hear your take. Uh, it, there are just so many things that we do not know right now. And, and also to compound it, Bob, will we ever know if the truth is unpleasant to any one of the powerful parties involved in this? Right. Uh, again, one, one of the things that, that I will miss in a democratic administration is finding out exactly where these the, the Hunter Biden scandal went, the, uh, the, the FBI and other agencies involved in the Russian hoax. We'll never know now because this will all be covered up and it'll all be forgotten and we will move on to whatever drummer they send out there to beat the drum. Yeah. Now, as I was watching the uh, events yesterday unfold, and I'm sitting there, and I'm sure a lot of people ask the same question. How was that breach into the Capitol allowed? How was that allowed to happen? You would think, Jim, that that is probably, should be the most secure building in the country, considering that it was, what, almost a, a joint session of Congress with the second and third in succession to the presidency in the building and other top officials also there. You would think that that would be locked down tighter than Fort Knox. How were those protesters allowed to even get near the stairs, let alone onto the lawn? I really don't understand that. And to the point where they were even allowed to break windows. Why weren't they just completely stopped in their tracks at that point? I mean, I mean, protesting and peaceful protest is one thing. But once you cross that line, uh, all bets are off, wouldn't you say? Well, I think it's like a preparation, obviously. And I, I think part of it is that this would be inconceivable if you had walked up to anybody involved in security around the Capitol or in Washington and said, this is what's going to happen. They would have laughed at you because this is unprecedented in our history. Nobody's ever done anything like this or even thought about it. I think they were unprepared because they, they hadn't certainly the police chief in Washington, whom I and the mayor, I've heard you know, speak about this yesterday, their comments on him, uh, certainly uh, were aware of everything that was going on, but they, nothing had gotten to the point that they would, uh, as a matter of fact, I have, there's so many different stories. One is that the mayor had called out the National Guard or asked for them a week ago. Right. I don't know about that, but they finally did that yesterday. But I, th I think it was a lack of preparation because what, what what happened was inconceivable. Also, remember that this demonstration, and they'd had these before, the pro-Trump demonstration, have been very peaceful, uh, you know, compared to what's going on on the other side. And so I don't think they expected anything like this. There was uh, also, I think they didn't 
they didn't give sufficient gravity to the intent. Because as you can see, some of the guards outside the Capitol where they had the barricades are getting ready for the inauguration. Some of them actually opened gates and let people. And so they really did not have any idea or expectation of something like this. Uh, I certainly can. This is Dan Alexander. Right. To, and to your point, I had heard, Jim and, and Dan, that um, um, after the uh, Steve Scalise shooting the, uh, uh, on the softball field a couple of years ago, that the funding for the Capitol Hill Police uh, Division was uh, increased uh, by millions. And apparently the, the police force numbers about 2,000 individuals. So I didn't see 2,000 people on call yesterday. So, yes, to your point, I, I would say it was lack of preparation, and they just got completely flat-footed by this. Yeah. Well, that, that, of course, gets back to my point. I think they were unprepared. I, I can't blame it on anybody, but I just think that if it was unthinkable that this would happen. I, I certainly, I'm sure that's the way the congressional people who were meeting felt about it. I mean, certainly nobody, nobody would attack our building here. Right. And so they weren't ready for it. Now, there were police, no doubt, mobilized and on call. They just weren't there. And then later, the National Guard came in and uh, let the crowd out. Right. And, I, to, your, I, and to your point, um, it looked like to me um, from the shots, and obviously we didn't get the entire view of everything, but it looked like there were two different rallies going on. Uh, the more violent one up at the, the head where they were breaking in and, you know, uh, breaching the, the Capitol itself. And, and the ones outside on the mall and on the grounds of the Capitol where you see a lot of the reporters doing their thing and uh, they didn't look like they were threatened at all. I mean, it looked like you could actually walk through that crowd without, uh, you know, fearing, you know, for your safety in some areas. Yeah, it, it was, uh, I, I, whatever it was, it was less display of violence than you see almost every day in Portland, Oregon. Right. Or in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, it, it, to some of these people, it was almost like a runaway what fraternity event or something that you see them running around in there. And some, of course, were the hard-nosed people. I don't know. I, I, I hope the authorities will sort it out, because if they arrested a number of people, they can no doubt have some information about who they were and why they were there. Dan, you had you had a oh you, you Dan, you mentioned the uh, this is rather interesting. I think it sort of triggered a thought. After the Boston Marathon bombing, there was the first lockdown of a city or an area in history, right? And so and so the prospect of a lockdown, which has all been threatened because of the virus, is precedented. It has happened. 
Yeah. And that was very effective. Yeah. yeah, but they didn't weld the door shut like the Chinese did in uh, Wuhan province. But, but, but again, the fact that the government is capable of locking down a large metropolitan area if they choose. Now, we don't know what these new people are going to choose. Uh, we do know that uh, some of the what authoritarian response has been very close to that, the, uh, a, a total lockdown of people. Uh, so so uh, going into the year, uh, again, uh, quo vadis, where are we going? Right. I don't know. Well, a, a lot of the uh, comments here on Facebook are are uh, agreeing that there's probably a third party involved here that's uh, riled up and caused a lot of agitation yesterday that took what was supposed to have been a peaceful rally into something that nobody probably envisioned. Well, I think giving uh, credence to that is the fact that on the West, they were mostly wearing masks. These people yesterday weren't. So you wouldn't be able to identify anybody from that. Uh, I, uh, again, the only takeaway from it, I, I guess, is that, uh, this thing has happened, this event, we are not sure how to respond because we don't have all the facts and don't know who did what, when, and why, and we are not likely, we cannot be cocksure certain we're going to get, uh, correct answers from our media, which has gotten so partisan, that uh, these are you, you, you're getting your, your information from propagandists of one ideology or another, rather than straight down the middle, such as Dan Alexander always gives us in his writings on the radio station. Yep, he's, uh, he's right down the middle. Objective Dan, we can always count on him. So, uh, so uh, <laughs> anyway, so a couple of things before we wrap up here. Uh, Jersey-wise, uh, everything's gotten masked up and uh, you know, hidden, but the vaccine rollout has been uh, less than speedy, should we say, Dan? Um, a lot of um, a lot of issues with the rollout of the vaccine and who's got the priority. Uh, did I hear last that uh, some inmates were in line to get uh, vaccines as opposed to some other uh, groups that may be more susceptible to the disease? Let's see what's uh, going to happen on that, because I think a lot of changes will be happening over the next couple of weeks. Uh, people are getting the uh, the vaccine. Let's see if it gets rolled out a little bit more. Some, uh, you know, some positives. The uh, school sports, recreational sports were allowed to resume last weekend. Right, Dan? And, you know, we're going to see if um, be able to hold. So there are some positives there. And the, gov and the governor also just said yesterday that he promises that. Uh, this year's Memorial Day will be a lot different than last year's in a much more positive way. So, 
for heaven's sakes, how would he know? I mean, is he now a soothsayer, a prophet? They said that last year, remember? Back in February and March, they were saying by June, you know, the beginning of the, base, the baseball season or, or whatever, that, that everything would be fine, everything would be better, then it gets worse. And now we come along with the new viruses that are springing up uh, all over the place. Yeah. So, and, uh, and, and also, uh, before we wrap up, gas prices, 20 yeah. cent increases. Yeah, you go to the gas station the other day, uh, it was like 235. I'm like, what happened? The guy said, he doesn't know. He says his company raised the prices and then everybody else started raising it. So it jumped from my area from like 215 to 235 overnight. Unbelievable. And and I and I don't think that had to do with the um the gas tax, uh, if I'm if I'm understand. It's something no. to do with uh, just uh, uh your economic conditions, right guys? So, um, well, it's a good thing I don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> <It's just laughs> <hung down. laughs> Absolutely. I'm getting three miles to the month over here. That's uh, pretty good. Uh, so, I mean, I think uh, we had a lot of great comments today from everybody about the um, the events in Washington. And, you know, who knows what's, what's going to happen when we get together again next Thursday, Jim. I mean, we could have, uh, you know, could be the same. Things calm down. We could have somebody new in charge. Anything could happen, right? Absolutely. This is the thing. And it's just totally wide open now. Everything is sort of blown. Uh, everybody has blown their cover. <laughs> I, I want to leave Bob with, with, I think, the comedy line of the week. This is by uh, Mr. McConnell, Senator McConnell, who is the uh, what president of the Senate for a couple of weeks. Yeah. He says, "Quote: Criminal behavior will never deter our Congress. Well, not from the outside, anyway. <laughs> but you could make an argument." <laughs> That the, the whole Congress is a criminal enterprise. Just <laughs> they day. Anyway, I'll leave you on that. Have a great week, everybody, please. God bless you all. Catch you next Thursday, 1030, right here on Facebook Live. Take care. <laughs>